We are live. Welcome back to another edition of our weekly Saturday morning update about what is going on with the economy, what is going on with the Bay Area. You may see some changes. We continue to improve and make some modifications to our backdrop, to some of our designs. Happy Diwali. Happy Halloween weekend. And let's jump right into it. So we got several topics that we want to go over today, which is number one, Bay Area housing. SF leads or Bay Area leads a record drop in luxury home sales. Let's talk about that, why that's a situation and what that means moving forward. U.S. economy rebounds as consumers, businesses show resilience. We had an uptick in GDP figures, no longer a decline like the last two quarters. Maybe some positive news ahead. This new Silicon Valley development is fully leased as other offices go vacant. I can give you an idea why and what's happening with that and then we'll go over several different things that are happening locally in terms of developments if you have any questions or any thoughts leave it in the comments below i'm happy to answer them and address them as we come along let's talk about the headline of the week bay area leads a record drop in luxury home sales this san francisco mansion illustrates market woes so this has been happening for some time in terms of uh, so there's an interesting, there's two different metrics that you want to think about when it comes to sales. You have the volume side of things, and then you have the price side of things. So what is interesting is that it's not unexpected, and we do see this actually every year, but this year has been a decrease faster, but it does follow all the trends that we have seen in the past. Next week, we'll go over the market data itself of what has happened in October. How did that compare with September and um and uh august but for now you can see we had a decline in number of transactions but this is nothing new for everybody that knows there are seasonalities but there are also the market has been declining and so in general most areas in the bay area when it comes to luxury home sales luxury is defined as a top five percent of uh the the market value in that area is considered a luxury home sale all of them have declined and so why is that several reasons Number one, it's certainly the disposable income is very different, right? Like most of the time, a lot of these people in the higher brackets may or may not have more salary. That's a different matter, but it's really that RSU side of things. And because RSUs have been greatly impacted, like all asset class have been, they have not had the liquidity or interest to wanting to buy this. There is that one aspect because you can see everywhere in the country has had a decline versus last year even places that you would think people would move to like a miami right people have been moving to florida a lot they have a 55 percent drop in price if you look at um san diego same thing seattle like these seattle for example is also no tax places no income tax right so all these different places all already have impacts at the same time now, there's some, there's some things interesting here, which I would disagree with the data. Change in medium sales prices last year, I don't think it's actually this high. It actually has been depleted depending on which metric you've seen. Because the difference of this is, as you can see, this was since August 31. And so we take these numbers and we try to understand, okay, well, we're, what were they trying to get out of that message? What is actually the likely case? Because we're already at the end of October. We already have two months more of data. So other areas may or may not be worse because the Bay Area actually had to decline the earliest. So my guess is that some of these other markets will actually catch up to the decline. But now you're going to hear about it because all we hear about all the time is why Bay Area is declining the most. The fact is, as you can see, every area has declined pretty substantially. And as we have progressed, 
because the Bay Area has been more tied to venture capital, stocks, crypto. I would suspect that you're going to see these others actually continue to rise much faster and further to either catch up with what we have or maybe even surpass what we have. But it'll be interesting to see because you can see other markets have had a bigger increase over the years than what we have had in the Bay Area, which has been significantly less and more modest. I think if you look at this list, really only some places in the East Coast like New York or Virginia are places that actually have had less of a price increase. But my guess is through the October figures, it may be less. So just something to be mindful of. Now, what do they do? They either sit around and they don't do anything because the prices at the higher price point doesn't decline as much either. So the average prices have declined more like on the on the entry level or the median price has declined more than the luxury price. So on one end, the sales have declined year over year. At the same time, they also have less pressures historically or in typically that to sell. So there's not actually much of a decline as much as you may see with other markets. So something also to be mindful of if you're buying a home in the higher price range of what to expect. But there is clearly many deals to be had right now if you have the liquidity and the interest to be able to settle and buy one of these places. So those are all positive news. Let's talk about the U.S. economy. We've been hearing all this bad news. And this kind of goes under the radar, right? How many of you realize, like, the U.S. economy rebounded and GDP actually increased in this quarter? You all think it's continuing to decline nonstop. So generally, when you hear all this bad news, potentially things may already be picking back up. And by the time you realize things have picked back up, it's already in the upswing. So just be mindful of how bad things could get. We were, we were mindful before when we did this episode seven months ago how good things can get, but it's going to be reversed. It's usually somewhere in the middle. And you can see the GDP figures had increased by 2.6% on an annualized rate. And, and there's several bright signs about this. On one end, personal consumption, the biggest part of the economy, had climbed, so it actually increased. Now, the question, of course, we have to find out is, are they overloaded more with debt? That will there will be different analysis related to that that will be applicable. But for sure, one of the things that has certainly helped uh, a lot of people is the household side of things because house housing has dropped. Housing, when it comes to buying and selling, has dropped. But when it comes to rent, that's a different matter. Rent has certainly increased and has continued to increase throughout. So interesting things, but this is always important to understand this data and realize, hey, look, there's actually some positive news that are still happening. Whether you want to read into it or not, there are good signs and, and, and those are very helpful. Now, let's talk about the how, how, how offices are being formed today. What does that mean in terms of uh, what we're expected to see moving forward? Uh, because this is going to be the, the method to how most new construction is going to be because our space is very limited. So it does impact specific types of assets. But it does, uh, but it also shows you what assets are going to continue to be built. This new Silicon Valley development is fully leased as other offices go vacant. Here's why it's so hot. So what is this? So these are in good locations and they're all mixed use spaces. So it's a combination of some retail on the bottom level, combination of some apartments, also some combinations of smaller um, office spaces that are more, they're going to be grade A. So that's also important to know. And also there may be some that will be used for sale. So like condos for sale. So you can see like this kind of use space where it's mixed. It has some restaurants, 
It has some retail, other retail. It has some living up top. And it's also very convenient to a lot of the, it's convenient to a lot of like the, the public transits, but also convenient as in the location is convenient. All of these different things are going to be continuously going to be growing throughout the mid-peninsula. So if you take a look at the Caltrain line, all of those Caltrain stations are zoned differently. And you can already see if you look at the city's websites. Because they're zoned differently, they don't need as much parking restrictions, uh, have as many parking restrictions. But they also have different things like uh, how much you can actually build per, per area. So the density is higher. And all of these are positive news if you're a developer trying to sell or rent each individual unit. Because parking, for the most part, to be fair, is uh, is kind of a... a if you're a developer, it's somewhat of a wasted cost uh, because then if you could build another unit there, you, you might as well do that. So the value of a, a piece of dirt for parking, even though it's under, underground or in a garage, is different than uh, than trying to build extra units, right? That, that log logically makes sense. But why is this important? Because most of the time, those what happens with office spaces is people still want to have office space. Make no mistake. It's not like nobody's using offices. But the use case is different, and they'd rather go with the top-tier areas and top-tier buildings, so the brand-new ones. right? If they have the option, which they do, they have lots of choices to go through, why would they want to choose something that's that requires a lot of work, that's rinky-dinky, uh, especially when it's not like these uh, leases are that expensive because the market is so favorable for, for tenants? And so because of this, then they naturally would want to choose these nicer areas, and that's why you see – a lot of the nicer ones are being built. They're still being leased pretty early on for a reason. They'd rather just go with those top tier. It's those other ones that have a big problem. And so those other ones that are older, those older buildings, uh, those are the ones that people have to consider. What should they be doing with that space? Even if they reduce the price of the lease, will people still want to live in it? Those are completely different matters. But these, these are very interesting. Let me take a look at this. Um, Look at that. This is wild. See, they have a serious jobs, housing imbalance, and we've been saying that over and over again. Springland can command high rents. Some three-bedroom units, look at this, go for 15000 a month. Did you know that we have some uber luxury places in these areas? Three-bedroom, 15000 a month, and they can get rented out pretty easily. Right, so it shows like there's high demand for these luxury and nice places. So they're going to keep doing this, especially in those areas. And we're going to continue to see this because we need more housing in these areas. But there's quite frankly a lot of room to build condos. Now, as you as a buyer or a seller, that's something to be mindful of. These new constructions are typically only going to be condos because this makes sense from a density perspective. You can see it rents out for that kind of amount. So as an investor, you can buy it and it can rent out very well. So that will come. That will um, that will affect the supply that we have here when it comes to new construction and for when it comes to new condos. So it's just something to be mindful of when it, when you see these kind of reports and these kind of things. But I've been saying it over and over again: the entire strip is prime for it, especially the middle parts of San Mateo County. Now, not all places are the same, right? Take a look at this: NIMBYism or balanced growth. Housing debates at center of Cupertino City Council race. The fact is, Cupertino is not on that Caltrain station, so they don't have the ability to make that, that super dense locations like they do along the Mid-Peninsula because of 
mandates, but because of also just easy access to those lines. But for a place like Cupertino, that's much more of a suburb, that's always been a long debate. And we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens if they actually start building a lot more because there's a lot of room in Cupertino that has been torn down. I mean, think about that Valco mall project. It's been a piece of dirt and it's been nothing and going for debate for so many years. And now it's finally supposed to be upcoming, but we'll see. It's it's a long, long time before we will see some things actually come out of it and people actually move into it. But these are always going to be important debates because on one end, the outside people would love more, right? If you're an outsider or you're a renter living in Cupertino, you would actually probably prefer that there is more activity when it comes to that there's more activities when it comes to uh, abilities to be able to enter in that market because you may already rent. You may go through the school systems there at this time. On the other end, if you're living there, there are always concerns. Oh, there's too many more people moving here. I don't want a change of lifestyle. I don't want anything to affect my quality of life. Uh, I don't want that many people into the school systems to impact schools. Like there's always this, this level of fear. So as a city... And as they go through votes and as they go through these different things and as they vote people in, then that's where the, the battle takes place. So we will see what happens with Cupertino. There are many areas that have plenty of room. But as you can see, Cupertino has only been building commercial spaces throughout the last decade. Look at how many more Apple buildings there are than before. And then just do account how many housing units have been built during that time relative to the amount of employees that are now in this area. You wonder why housing goes up. You wonder why single family is so desirable. They're not building any more of that. They're not going to be able to build any more of that. Yet you have a whole lot more people in these in these cities than ever before. So those are the things to be mindful of. Next, controversial Bay Area real estate tech unicorn Roof Doc lays off 20% of his staff. Really interesting, right? It's interesting because a company like this, so Roofstock is a company valued at $2 billion. That's crazy. What they do is basically they, it's not that much tech into it. They basically open up transparency of buying properties uh, out of the area. So buying like cheaper um, single family rentals, single family homes, and then using them as rentals. So we democratize that as an asset class for people to do. I personally, many, many years ago, I started getting to real estate investing by buying places in Indianapolis. So I bought those homes for like $50,000 and then rented it out at that time for $800. And this was five, six years ago. And those values have gone up and done well. But the whole idea isn't new. It's just companies like this are just spreading the word more. I mean, think about this. If you are a roof stock, what's your business model? Your business model is finding properties to buy. And then on the other business model is letting a lot of people know that this is an option. So if you're you're raising capital, you're spending a lot of money getting local people on the ground, which is somewhat you can only do so much. It's not like that's that difficult. Like as soon as something comes up, you can just buy it and, and then lock it up. And then but you need a bunch of people to be able to buy it. So what do they spend a lot of money on? A ton of money on the education side of things of this is a good buy because wherever you're buying, you can you can clash flow and you can do things better in this in this other market. So they spend a ton of money on the marketing of it, of why everybody should be buying out of state. And this causes potential challenges, right? Because we've seen it already for individual buyers that move to Texas or move to Florida 
Like the local people are very, it's very difficult for them to compete when you have outside big money that has come into their market. And this is the same thing. In this case, they're just buying it as a rental. So they're just scooping it up and buying it as a rental because for them, it's all relative to what, what, uh, what they have spent. And what's interesting is because disposable income is less, right? Because all of our assets are now worth less than it was before. They have less transaction volume. So they have been letting go of 20% of their workforce. Pretty big. So that's the business model of them. It's not a, it's not a new concept by any means, but there are different things that they do to make it more accessible, make it easier to understand. But to be fair, uh, the best deals are usually not going to be on these sites because it's so widely shared. But then again, if you want an easy experience and you don't really want to deal with all the headaches of finding property management, finding the right properties, buying things at a discount, then you can go through a platform like this. So those are, those are the things that's been going on. Next, tech companies agree to big leases in North San Jose office buildings. You can see things are still moving, right? Things are still progressing. Comet Technologies and Junior 8 in separate transactions have leased large office and research buildings that are part of the Montague Crossing Tech Campus. So this is a, le a lease of 84,000 square feet and another 91,000 square feet. So this will bring in another 1,000 employees. Uh, into the core Bay area. And this is just in the kind of the North San Jose area. There's a bunch of commercial around there, but these are good, uh, good areas for, uh, it's not that expensive there for a lot of people because this is easy commute from anyone that lives in San Jose, but also anyone that comes from the East Bay. And so there's a lot of older office buildings there. So we'll see if a lot of those get taken up, because there's still a lot of empty ones out there. So there's no shortage of space. So we'll see what happens next. Kaiser Permanente eyes big new Bay Area hospital with hundreds of beds. Nearly 300 beds will be added under Kaiser's new hospital proposal. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so what we continue to see is, uh, as you can see, housing is so difficult to build. But there's a lot of things that have been added pretty under the radar. And we need it. And it's a good thing, right? Having talent in to the area is, is difficult, especially when it comes to the medical profession. We see a lot of people continue to move in because their quality of life is actually way better in terms of their work life. There's this um, there's this uh, individual that I met. Their their partner is a nurse at Kaiser. Initially, was a nurse in the Southern California Kaiser, and they were able to relocate to uh, the Santa Clara off the Santa Clara location at Kaiser. And for you, all you nurses out there, that many of you may be listening, or many doctors out there. She was previously working for the same pay, actually probably even less pay, 60 hours a week as a nurse in Southern California. But then when she got able to move up here, because the demand is so strong for medical professionals, she was able to cut that work in half of working 30 hours a week and with the same exact pay. Right, So your quality of life is very different uh, as you move here. So there's always balances. Now, Southern California is a little bit cheaper than the Bay Area, but it's not like it's not half cheaper than the Bay Area by make no mistake. And so those are all uh, very interesting things that I found and continue to share with people. Like there is a, a very, very big need. There's also a very big need. We have many physicians that continue to move in. Physicians at Kaiser have a fantastic option to be able to buy a house before they're even working. As, as soon as they get their offer letter, they can already buy a house because Kaiser also typically gives a down payment assistance program of 10% at a very, very low interest rate or no interest rate to help 
of physicians move into the area. And then, as you can imagine, they already have good income. And now because the market has softened, this is a huge opportunity for physicians to be able to get in because you're not competing with others that are using 20, 30% down anymore. So those are really, really interesting things, as you will see, because as they open another 300 beds, what does that mean? It means they need to be hiring even more talent. And because talent is already limited here, these are great opportunities if you're in the medical profession or if you have friends that want to consider to relocate here. That's the really, really exciting and cool part when you see these things. And we see a lot of hospitals continue to be built. Um, there's just a big need of it. You know, as we have an aging population, and as we have more and more families that continue to live together, uh, this is a very, very big need. And, and Kaiser and Stanford, uh, if you have not noticed, they have been very quietly or not quietly gobbling up a whole lot of uh, space. And um, they're just continuing to build like crazy. It's it's pretty wild. And yeah, it's pretty wild. This is the south, uh, very south San Jose uh, Kaiser location. Santa Teresa area has a good amount of space. Now, they may have gobbled up what's remaining there, but there's still maybe other areas nearby. So make no mistake, there are there are many areas for them to grow. There's another one that's going to be growing in um, Mountain View. It's been under construction for a while. I think that's going to be the El Camino, uh, extra, uh, El Camino remote cipher, maybe, maybe outpatients or something like that. That's being built on that route. Let's to um, – oops. This shouldn't have shown up. Let me see. Um, Summerhill to replace. This is the last thing. Summerhill to replace. Let me give me a second. Sorry about that. If anyone has any questions, feel free to leave it in the comments below as I change this because this wasn't appearing before. Just remove all the ad blockers because there's so much spam on these things. Happy to address anything else. I will go for the market data next week. Um, every In the beginning of each month, I like to just go over those numbers because then you can see exactly what happens before the media sh uh, sh sees what's actually happening. Let's wrap things up here. Summerhill to replace Palo Alto offices with townhomes. Marcus and Millichap subsidiary pays $27.5 million for teardown sites. So Summerhill is a big, I'm a big fan of Summerhill Homes. They have built a lot of homes in the community. If you think about like Nueva, which is a huge development project in Santa Clara, uh, that was wildly successful. And so in this case, as you can see, they bought 2.4 acres. And if move forward, if they're able to, they're going to demolish 32,000 square foot of office building. That's really, really cool. They obtained, look at this, they obtained a $45 million loan in doing this. In this case, Plans fill, filed earlier calls for 48 townhomes and eight six-unit buildings, along with private streets. And I mean, take a look at the cost of this. So let's do some math, right? Let's do some math of this because it's interesting to see how much are they actually making. And that's the fascinating part about this because it's, it's helpful. So this is a very good area. This is in Palo Alto. So new townhomes, I know how much they would go for. And we'll, talk, we'll do some bath, back of the math, uh, back of the napkin type of math. So they paid $27.5 million for an office property. They, I don't think they just shared what the sizes of these are, but they're going to build 48 units. And they obtained a $45 million financing 
an affiliate, 45 million. So my guess is, okay, so they, they did say they're going to be three or four bedroom units. That's pretty large, especially in Palo Alto. 1,600 to 2,100 square feet include, okay, there's some things in the back. Okay. So the thoughts about this are, let's let's just do some math, right? The question is they paid 27.5 million and then they had a $45 million loan. The difference of 27 to 45 is 18 million. The question is, does it take 18 million to build 48 homes? Let me see. Let me just do some quick math so we can see. 18 million. We're just doing this for fun. Just so you can see like the developer margin, right? Because it's also important. You think developers are making a ton of money, but are they really actually making that much money? So if it's 18 million, by the way, 48 homes, that's 375,000 per home. That seems really low. And if it's like, let's say blended average 1,800, that's 200. Actually, that's not too bad. That's actually not too, that's actually not too bad. So if you do the math, it's about 375,000 per unit. Now, keep in mind, they need to get the loan, so there's there's paying off the loan. They also have they, they paid a twenty eight million dollars for the for the units itself, right? And then so they're building, but they also have to get a loan and the cost, and there's a financing of it. But then their ultimate blended average is about two hundred and eight dollars per square foot, which is actually not that. It's it's more in line now. Generally, new construction is three to four hundred if you're building your own. Actually, it might be more three to five hundred per square foot if you're building your own. But because you have scale. Because they already have a roster and a team, they're able to build it significantly less. So they're at about two hundred eight dollars per uh, per unit of the building. So if you think about it, let, let's see what their cost structure is per per unit because of uh, they have to also buy the land, right? So the twenty seven point five million dollars to buy the land, they also have to tear it down. So we'll factor a little bit of that. Well, let's just do some some quick math. You can see like what is the cost of it, and what would this probably sell for? I might I have a pretty good idea what this will actually sell for uh too. So they spent 27 27.5 million and they built 48. That's about 572,000 per home. You plus the 375,000. That's about a million dollars. I would so as you can see they their their opportunity is they they're they're spending about a million dollars per home per unit to build including the cost of the land. You add some, a little bit in of like a loan amount and things like that. Now, what would this home sell for? Summerhill also has developments in Mountain View, which is not as expensive as Palo Alto. And those homes went for the high ones. So like one, eight, one, nine for a similar size of this. And because it's in Palo Alto, the townhomes at this size will probably be in the low twos, even today. So even today, it'll probably be in the low twos. And so you can see their margin is about a million dollars per unit. And so that's why they can make these bets. But now, to be fair, they're making a, a very interesting bet because it's not like this was a piece of dirt. They had to work with the city. They had to get this plan removed, like this office building demolished. right? So not everybody can do this. Even if you have the liquidity of $50 million, which there are many people that can, that can do these kind of things. You still need to have the big backing of a brand name like Summerhill to be able to ne negotiate and work with the city to remove these and to be building these townhomes. But you can see they're going to be ma making over a million dollars per unit. And that's just some math that I kind of did out just very quickly. But you can kind of see how the logic makes sense, how the opportunity makes sense, too. 
it's a bet they they still they they have to get this uh, approved, otherwise they're in big trouble because this the valuation is based off of the construction of and selling of these units, not of this. But it gives you some behind the scenes of how much money these guys are making and the opportunities of how they decide to make the bet for particular homes. Well, I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions about your real estate thoughts, journeys, and you want to go over it, text me or call me below 408-547-4590. I'd love to go over your situation, go over the market. There are so many opportunities right now for buyers. And when you see the data next week, you will realize, yes, transaction volume is down. Yes, prices are down. But it's not like everything has frozen. There's still over 1,000 transactions that happened this month in Santa Clara County alone. So still lots of activity moving and we'll continue to move. I'll see you in the next one. Bye now.